Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the First Issue Club podcast. We don't think we're cool. We just think we're big geeks into comics, and we're happy to share our love for them with you. We cover only number ones here, because number ones is a great entry point for you to start reading comics, and boy, would we love it if you started reading comics. But hell, if you already read comics, then you're right here with us, baby. So thanks for enjoying this podcast, and thanks for being you. What books are you reading today, Slimy Slam, Greg? (laughs) (laughs) Slimy Slam, Greg here. uh, This episode we're covering uh, Sandman Universe from Vertigo, Black Badge from Boom, and finishing off with Fantastic Four from Marvel. Who's in the club today? And uh, we got a book called Black Badge about being a Boy Scout. And if you were a Boy Scout and you earned a badge, what would that badge be? My name is Caitlin, and my badge uh, would be the organizing badge and or the spreadsheet badge. If we wanted to get into sub-badges, I would have all of those. Believe me, the organizing badge has a sub-badge. If I gave you badges, would you organize my comics? Yes. No. Oh, okay. Yes, I would. I didn't know it was that easy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, this is Budget King, and my badge would be the pants a guy and call him Larry. And uh, what does that badge look like? <laughs> oh, I can picture it already. <laughs> yeah, it's good, just like a cartoon of like somebody wearing umbros and they get their pants pulled down <laughs> and their whitey tighties. So you see a little bit of butt cheeks. <laughs> um, this is Greg Lichtai, and my scout badge would be the staring off into space badge because I love to daydream and just let my mind wander. That's one you really earn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like he could do a marathon, though. <laughs> I feel like he could do long-distance spacing. Guinness record. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Longest space out. Just blanking out. Or 100% real. Yeah. Especially like, if I had a phone with me. That's like when you've been playing a mobile game, and the game spot drops down, and it's like, you just died four times, you get a little trophy for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> little did you know, that's an achievement. <laughs> Like, oh, shit, is it Tuesday? Uh-oh. <laughs> this badge just appears on every kid's, like, You've voice You've idled for over 72 hours. <laughs> how, much, how much time have I lost? <laughs> and I'm Mike DeStacey. People close to me um, know I'm a puzzler. So <laughs> I think I'd get the puzzling badge. I can speak from experience. Mike has a closet with over 45 completed puzzles. I don't know That why. he has rolled up to uh, break out at parties. It's such a not joke joke. <laughs> like it's this weird in between joke. Anything from Nantucket cottages in the fall to uh, colorful Dalmatians just, with rainbow dots. Mazes. How do you roll them up? No yeah. puzzle glue. You can roll them up. Even they're when still kind of malleable. They're special mats. Yeah. Uh, you it's can just... uh, Mod Podge, right? It's probably just Mod Podge that says puzzle glue on <laughs> yeah. them, and they sell it for like five dollars mm-hmm. more. <laughs> Joanne's can see you from a mile away. Yeah, this rube, this puzzling rube. Oh, shit, here, here comes the blue guy. Go with put his, the new yeah, labels on him. I've got the badge on me, like a big stamp that says, idiot. Sucker. <laughs> Call me the puzzler. Yep. Show me to the puzzle glue. <laughs> the puzzler is here. I heard there's new puzzles that need solving. What a good knockoff character. <laughs> the puzzler. The puzzler. But he doesn't even do crime. No, he no. helps. he helps them. He helps him solve. He, so he's like Castle. Oh, and you know what he he does <laughs> he's like Castle in a fun suit. He does them in uh, he does them in the store without paying for them. Oh, Ooh, he's a little rascal, bastard. <laughs> <laughs> it's technically not illegal. 
these have been bits by the first <laughs> issue. Club. Now I want a puzzler zine. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get this podcast. Coming up, we have Sandman Universe from DC Vertigo by a lot of people. This book is not an ongoing book. This book is like watching four trailers for four potential movies that will be coming out later in the year. Okay? This is just a setup for four books. This book makes no goddamn sense, and that's the beauty of it. (laughs) Part of my thought was that if you're a comic book fan, you've either bought in on Sandman or you're done. Like, you don't care. Like, I've I've never bought Sandman books, and when I see them on the shelves, I'm just like, that's going to be a whole thing. I think DC Vertigo knows that. This is Sandman's first big event. This is their rebranding. This is their Marvel legacy. This is their DC rebirth. This is, they want to get you, the new reader, in on this series. I kind of like this book, but it just doesn't make sense as a primer, right? Like, if I read, like, the first number one as an introduction to the other ones, yeah. I'm going to read this and then just be like, ugh, Sandman's confusing. This was bail, just... bail on these other unique stories, which if there are any one of the tidbit pieces in here, might be interesting because there was a handful of characters that I like, kind of found intriguing. That For were, sure. That like God, Alligator, and the voodoo lady that and the were cool. demon lady that can kick people out of dreams. Yeah. Yeah. I she loved was awesome. her. That was, yeah. I'm really going to be excited to read but that book. I, yeah, I didn't, did not realize that that was what was going on with this. This was like the, the appetizer platter that like has all the appetizers on it. Just like, hey, if you can't decide what you want, try but them each all. of those appetizers are just smaller portions of a meal. That's yeah. yeah. Each later. of them is a steak dinner. <laughs> that's actually my favorite thing to get at a, like, Applebee's or a Chili's. Like a small mm. meal, yeah, like yeah. A, a sampler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was a sampler. The weird thing about this, and this is my ongoing critique of Sandman, is it's a little bit thespian pretentious. Yeah, Sandman's definitely for theater kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. This is true. Uh, there's they deal with a lot of like abstract concepts in this, mm-hmm. which I think gets a little heady and pretentious feeling at times. So in Sandman Universe, we get a quick little intro, a little bit of a taste of these four books that are going to be in the Sandman Universe that are coming out in 2018, 2019. We get a quick viewing of a book called The Dreaming, wherein a girl named Dora with winged ears uh, is helping a librarian who has lost his memory. We get a quick snippet of The Books of Magic, which follow Tim Hunter as he becomes the greatest and most destructive magician that ever lived. We then are taken to Louisiana, and we are previewing a book called The House of Whispers, which has a kind of a voodoo mythology to it and then finally we have this book called lucifer uh and lucifer most commonly well, known you as can the guess. devil and but he has quit his job uh, or he's he, in hiding right? or he's hiding and he's trapped somewhere it's kind of weird uh the preview for it was kind of interesting hell yeah hell satan <laughs> somebody had to say it <laughs> <laughs> in this book each of the stories is written and drawn by the writer and illustrator that's going to be doing the book that's coming out in the fall. 
And I, I liked the change in writing. I liked the change in art in this book to kind of give you the different feels of the stories. So that long-winded <laughs> explanation uh, aside, what did you guys think of this book and of the stories that will be coming out in the fall? Any of these individual stories, I would have been like, this would have been fine if you just would have stuck with this. But altogether, it was hopping around so much that I was like, I can't track on this. It goes to show you, I guess, that the payoff is probably going to be good. Like, any of these individual, there were probably, like, two or three of these individual, like, four-page arcs that I was just like, that's intriguing to me. But even, like, an annual gives you some type of, like, guide a little bit to let you know, like, all right, and you're getting a new story now. Yeah. And I, Mm -hmm. I just, like, I felt like this was trying to not do that. Like, give me, like oh, this is all one cohesive story, kind of. Well, and I think they thought there's, there's a crow that uses the device to carry you through the entire storyline. Mm-hmm. And I think that they thought, we're going to so brilliantly intertwine these into one arc with this crow that maybe the explanation wasn't necessary. And then when you got to the end of the book, you would be like, dope, all these are going to be like their own fragments and mm-hmm. we're going to get like all these great comic books. But instead, we're having the conversation we're having right now. Right. Because it, it, it is jarring because even in, in anthology stories, the stories in the anthology have a beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. They, they tell a story. These are but just these like... these are all number ones. These are all intros. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Did you guys have a favorite part of any of these? Were there ones you were like more stoked on than others? Uh, yeah. I really am interested in reading uh, The Dreaming. So, I think Dora's same. character is really, really intriguing. That is, and that's the scene where we were in the old woman's dream with cancer. Yes. Mm-hmm. That one was so cool. Mm-hmm. So I don't think the cancer lady is a reoccurring character. I don't think she is either. I think she okay. was set up for She just Dora. was a setup. Yeah, okay, for Dora. I, I think she's cool. Yeah, yeah I think I the too. thing you were supposed to realize is Dora is doing things that you're not supposed to be able to do in the dreaming, i.e. she's eating food. She is letting people indulge in their dreams. And while being part of them. While being a part of them. So she's got some connection to, like, the Earth and real world yeah, that the other characters don't have, it even seems. even see right. the person who's dreaming mm-hmm. and yeah. see their world and reality. You get the impression that she's got compassion for these people, whereas everyone yes. else is just like, eh, somebody fucking dreaming. And you see that she has the, the ability to push people out of another person's dream. She's super intriguing. Yeah. I can't She's wait for that one. She's almost a protector. I honestly think even Books of Magic and House of Whispers, which was the New Orleans voodoo one and mm-hmm. then the Harry Potter one. I feel like the Harry Potter one got such a shaft in this book. Got like, like two like, pages. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck with your demon teacher. Bye. It's, yeah, <laughs> you can't read a book and you're the greatest wizard ever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I hope this kid has a scar on his head somewhere. <laughs> it's so Harry Potter looking. Isn't it? it is. um, but it's so like <laughs> you're ter- yeah. Those have a little bit of promise to me. Like I, I now that I like know the little vignettes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the Lucifer, which got a ton of pages, and was just like a diatribe of him like saying whatever the fuck he wanted to say. That was the least sensical. Has one, no yes. promise to me. Yeah, it was, seemed very con- convoluted. The conversation between this Raven, that's our device moving through, and another Raven which was hard to even distinguish from each other, except for the color of the speech bubbles. Mm -hmm. And then you have 
those ravens talking about another situation where Lucifer is there and there's also someone watching him. Yeah. It was not clear at all. Right. I like the idea of, like, the ravens as a species. I think it did some, like, cool stuff about the world that we're in. Yeah. And, like, the certain things they can do that you're just like, whoa, what are the other characters? I want to find out more. I but, feel like every story about Satan and or Lucifer or Beelzebub or whatever, they, they either go, like, he's super demon, just, like, barbaric monster thing, or he's just, like, this super... Charming. Charming, like, metrosexual, just, like, very prim and proper. <laughs> he's always metro. Just, like... <laughs> and it's just, like, can we just have, like, a fucking normal guy, Satan? Totally. He's just, yeah. like, kind of bummed out that he made a mistake and God sent him to this place. He's like, come on, man. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Ordinary okay. Satan. That's yeah. gonna be mm-hmm. my newest... Middle, uh, middle ground Satan. Yeah. So, middle ground <laughs> Satan. <laughs> I'll, here's my final thought on this book. It intrigued me enough and piqued my interest that I am curious about the new number ones that are coming out. I agree. It did its job, which was it piqued my interest. It I, got me interested in these books, and that's what it was made for. Yeah. So it, it did what it was supposed to do. Honestly, Sandman is fucking confusing. And yeah. so, like, if you read Sandman, good for you, because you must understand comics to a degree that I do not. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I feel like you get to a when once you hit maybe thirty, that's old enough where you just don't want to try to like things anymore. <laughs> like not a lot of people like pick yeah. up smoking in their thirties. But it's a very non-committal, like not trying, because you also don't want to try to actively dislike things yeah, either. That's true. Keep an open just, mind. Yeah. <laughs> I have don't ti- make waves. Don't I have make time waves. in my life for ten friends. Count them. <laughs> ten friends. You can name them at any time. And four of them are but in this room you know, right now. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Next up, we got Black Badge out on Boom Studios by Matt Kent, Tyler Jenkins, and Hillary Jenkins. Black Badge seemingly seems. Should we say that <laughs> Seemingly <either>? seems. <laughs> seemingly seems. Seemingly seems. Black Badge seems as if it would be a comic book about a Boy Scout troop in South Korea. However, things go awry. You find out there is the ominous, ever sought after black badge, the final badge that no Boy Scout can get. And the entry way to get that badge is to cross in over to North Korea, target a bomb for some people, have them blow up a building, and get back into South Korea. And boom, you got the Boy Scout uh, of every boy's dream. That's black badge. This book was quick to the point, and set up a thriller. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think it could have been a YA novel, could have been a TV show that I would have been stoked to see. Yep. Like, fun concept to see a, a bunch of teenagers go do, like, anything. like Espionage. Lar- yeah, like, larger than life. Like, I love stories like that. Mm-hmm. And this was a kind of original one that I... It seems kind of obvious. Like, it seems like this is a story yeah. you would have read, like, a million times. But yeah. it's kind of like a fun, original concept. There's a, there's certainly some tropes in it, and they're they're kind of on the nose about them. Like some of them, they point out. <laughs> like the new kid was yes. like basically saying everything that was going on in my mind. Like yep. we know. So the last guy died, and now you guys are going to resent me because <laughs> I'm replacing him, and I'll never really replace him. And yeah. They were like, yeah, basically. Yeah, they're like, just let's get it all out of the way. Yep, yep, yep. The the characters like it makes you want to learn more. I think about the characters and their personality types that were very dismissive of him, and they're like, we know what's fucking going on, we're in charge, we're ignoring your questions. At first I was like, all these characters are dicks, I hate them. They're like ignoring this new kid. In the end, when I think they, they make it through their first mission as a 
little quattro force. <laughs> What's a team of four people called? <laughs> quartet? Uh, it's not quattro force. It it's not? definitely quartet. Thank you, Caitlin. I like quattro force. It's like a shaving accessory. Quattro force. That's another comic. Copyright first quattro issue club. Force. Quattro forces. I really, I liked this book too. It's it's like this wholesome archetype of Boy Scouts. And then it's the stuff they're doing is so very dark. Uh-huh. And I just really like that smash, smashed up against each other. Like you're... You've got this one kid who just wants to earn all the badges, yep. which I um, empathize with a lot because he wants his whole collection. And totally. he is thrown into blindly following orders. So that puts him on a list of doing things that kids should not be able to do. But he realizes that's why they're picking kids for these missions. Yeah. And it's very dark. I, I feel like Matt Kent, uh, his thing is to like do like versions of like Royal Tenenbaums or what's that director? Uh, Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson. Anderson. Yeah. But then, like, put this, like, fine comic spin on it. So, like, adventure. Like, Department H kind of feels like Life Aquatic. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, they take then, some of the outfits right from Life Aquatic. Totally. Yeah. Mind MGMT is probably one of the most uh, beloved. Uh, <laughs> Matt, <laughs> Matt, oh, Matt Kent. so good. It's brilliant. Um, Pastaways is one of my favorite uh, Matt Kent books. And what he does there, which I love, is he uses all of these covers and other explainers to, like, point out and do diagrams of like what's going on in the book and it's the same thing I don't know if you guys got this cover or it's on the inside panel actually yeah. mm-hmm. where it explains like all the different James Bond devices that the mm-hmm. Boy Scouts have is like a super good intro so without even like and that's what's so great about a Matt Kent book without even like giving you an intro if you just peeped the inside cover you kind of knew what you were getting into right mm-hmm. I there's something about the, the artistic style of this that oh. was so perfect for a Boy Scout book. I was going to say the like, same even thing. The paper. Yeah, the paper seems like kind of antique and it feels like a like a mini story you would have read in like Highlights magazine. Yeah. Like it just took me to like being an 8-year-old or something, which is like such a good way to tell a Boy Scout story. Mm-hmm. It was so, so good. I'm I'm really glad you brought that up cuz the whole time I was reading it and I was viewing the art, I was like it's almost like the art was like not completed yet, but like it was it was defined enough, kind of like your thought process when you're like this age, mm-hmm. like these kids. Like you think you know what the world is, you kind of have like a rough idea, but you still have so much more detail to get filled in. And I felt like the artwork really kind of played off of that. Like yeah. you knew, like that was a mountain, that was a person, that right. was a house, but like it wasn't super highly detailed. Yeah, interesting point. I think another thing to build on that we talk about them like growing and changing, their usefulness as boys is completely played up out of the fact that they're young and can get away with infiltrating into places because they look like they're not supposed yeah. to be there, and right? they can't be tried as adults. And they can't be tried as adults. No <laughs> one would suspect these kids of doing anything, like, super heinous, right? But they're, like, right. all, like, expertly trained. Um, what happens to them when they grow out of this? You know what I mean? Are they going to be tossed aside, maybe incorporated into some other... Agency. Oh, that's a I'm, good point. I'm interested to see what would happen with these characters. Yeah, Who totally. knows how long of a run we'll and get And obviously with this book. some people have died. Yes. During, uh, right, there's some turnover here. Black badge. <laughs> Do you think when little boys join the Boy Scouts 
that they think ultimately it's going to lead to something like this. Absolutely. Like in their fantasies, they're just like, I'm going to be surviving in yeah. the outback. Oh, yeah. Totally. That's yeah. what made this book so great is totally. it's every like kind this of Boy is, Scouts fantasy. Yeah. It, yeah, it indulges that fantasy big I love, time. I love their saying that you don't earn the black badge, you become one. And it really yeah, does that's like, it. that's what you're doing if you want these kids to carry out these missions. You have to make them feel like they are not being used for the cover that they can provide you, but that they are I felt, yeah. yeah, there's some dark indoctrination sort yeah. of stuff. Like, you shouldn't be doing yeah. this no. with brainwash. I think we're going to find out that, like, the organization that does this is at least questionable. You think they're going to rebel? I don't know. Interesting. Oh. That would be so cool. And I don't know why I said rebel. <laughs> rebel. <It's> kinda... Rebel, <laughs> my bell. Well done once again, Matt Kent and yeah, Jenkins. It was great. This was my favorite book this week. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Pick of the week. Okay, now we have Fantastic Four from Marvel, Words and Art by Slot and Pacelli. This book shows us Ben Grimm and Johnny Storm living without Reed, Sue, and their kids. Along with them, their city is a bit lost without the team. And it's surprisingly heartfelt because I feel like maybe it's a parallel for a lot of people who have been missing this team and haven't had any new stories about them in a while and maybe feeling a little lost without them. But we're just plopped right in the misery of faking it till they make it in this world without the Richards clan. We see one half of the duo, so Grimm, who has lost hope, he's moving on trying to live his life in a way he thinks the Richards would approve. And the other half of the duo left Johnny Storm just holding on to the hope for dear life until the great payoff happens and we get a signal in the sky, which leads the rest of the world to assume that the Richards are trying to make it back home and telling us that they're alive. For us, the reader's benefit, we do get to see that that is true. So that's pretty big news. Yeah. What do you guys think about like the Fantastic Four not being in the first issue of Fantastic Four? <laughs> There's like a cute little commentary yes. <laughs> comic on it in the back with Scotty Young. I think it gets you to buy number two. Totally. Yeah. I kind of liked it. I kind of liked that they didn't jump back in. It seems like something that would have felt corny if they were just like, the band's back together. They've been missing forever and now they're here. Uh, more, more things deserve a slow wind up. Totally. I, think. I hope they all come together in issue four. <laughs> also, what what is this called as far as um Marvel's like re what's their big thing that they're calling this now? Fresh uh, start. Fresh start. This felt like a really good fresh start because it it primes all of these things that you may not have known if you want to get into Fantastic Four. They haven't been around for a while. They have kids. Um there's been a whole series with uh Human Torch and thing, right? Don't they have a little Yeah, little... two in one. Yes, two yeah. in Marvel two in one. Um so Chip Zdarsky wrote some of that, and that kind of set up some of this book. So they do a lot of well, and uh, probably all of you who are listening probably know this. Uh, Marvel did something totally unheard of, and they blacklisted their own characters. They took Fantastic Four out of commission because of whatever you want to believe. Either they didn't have the movie rights to. The Fantastic Four characters, so by God, they weren't going to do free advertising for them with comic books. Or there's many rumors out there why they didn't want any more Fantastic Four comics. But it's kind of unheard of to basically bench your most 
popular superhero book for four years. I mean, this was like the original team comic book. I think it's the first comic that Marvel ever published. I think you're Human right. Torch or um, Johnny Storm. It's, I don't know. I I really liked Fantastic Four, um, and it it was kind of a bummer that I didn't have it for a couple years. But this is the way to fucking reboot a book. Like, yep. nothing's more, especially with this fresh start thing going on. We've had so many books that it's like, oh, this guy's been writing it, and now I'm writing it, and I want to take it in a totally different direction. You pick it up one week, and it's one story, and then you pick it up the next week, and it's a completely different story. It feels nice to have some sort of resolution or some sort of cliffhanger, have it disappear for a little while, and then bring it back after some time's passed. Mm-hmm. It's, I kind of appreciate that they did that with Wolverine, too. Like, soon we're going to get Wolverine back. Yeah. And there was a hiatus there. If they would have just, like, ended a Wolverine story and then just started another one, I don't know. As much as we shit it on Fresh Start, it they've kind of been killing it. Really, the only thing that's been disappointing has been Black Panther. I'd agree. Yeah, Black Panther and Captain America a little bit. And Deadpool. I wasn't huge. I totally forgot Deadpool Slowly came out. Slowly rolling in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and this. So we, yeah, we haven't and like half and of this. That's out of like eight but, books though. No, so. but yeah. and I'll say that those ones were we were like those are okay. There were certainly some fresh start books that like blew us away. Like the Tony Stark one was Hulk awesome. Hulk, Hulk was Jesus. so good. Spider Man. I thought I really liked Spider Man, but I'm I wasn't here for that episode when you guys covered it. But I'm like diehard Spider Man, mm-hmm. so that's kind of tough. I don't. I don't want to derail this into a Spider-Man conversation, but um, the the tough thing for me on that book was that it jumped so quick back into the Mary Jane Watson relationship, and for Spider-Man fans, that's been such like a long time coming that it was just like number one, like oh they're hitting it off again, and like they're in a relationship. Yeah, I was just like shit. That was fast. Yeah, yeah. you wanted a little more cat and mouse. I think I did. Or it's just like more as, significance. More significance, I think. Like as as corny and overplayed as a trope that like the whole Sam and Diane thing is, like, I kinda wanted more of it. Like it would have been great for like at least like six issues. You could have toyed with me with that stuff. And when yeah. they finally got back together, it would have been like this great moment for superhero like Spider Man fans. I but think you, but the, you blindsided with So I think that's the whole thing is it. that they're not really catering to the fans they're not trying to give them like think about hulk right how much of a like complete departure hulk is hulk Mm -hmm. is a fucking horror story right it's frankenstein you're right um there's nothing to do with the hulk franchise right and i think that like honestly in this fantastic four they could have done all this lip service to the four years of of other side characters that you were getting and they didn't do it. Yeah, they brought you in. Fucking, it felt like the first movie in a good way, which is hard to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, that <laughs> <laughs> difficult. Uh, it hurt me to say that. <laughs> okay, so one thing that I wanted to say about this book was that before we get this like signal in the sky that shows you that Reed and Sue are still alive and there's still hope, there's this moment where Johnny finally comes to terms with. The fact that he's never going to see his sister and his best friend again and Johnny hanging on has been a part of like Ben hanging on. So it was kind of this beautiful moment when Johnny lost it and was like, they're really not coming back. Right. And you almost had this feeling like, oh, that feels so good to have him admit it 
and just like say like, it out say it out loud. What was so and, cool about that like scene do you or do you finish your thought and I'll Well, I I just thought like if they would have just like ended the book there, like to me that would have been like a beautiful moment. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of obviously it's sad because he realizes his family isn't coming back, but there's something about like the stages of grief and like acceptance that just made me like really happy in that moment. Like Ben's going to get married mm-hmm. and he's trying to move on with his life. And it's this really positive thing. The look on Ben's face when they see the signal, it's like a complete opposite switcheroo from what he, from what Johnny finally realized. And now mm-hmm. he's like very much what you're saying. Like, are you kidding? They're not. Yeah. I just did all like this. Just I finally came to terms with it. But Ben's face is kind of like happy. Like, fuck yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> they did it. Like, yeah. I didn't think they were going to, but... How much more momentous does a moment like that feel when you've had some build-up to it? It was. It's kind of like... I heard this great thing um, on one of the Ringer podcasts the other day where they were talking about how um, on shows that you can binge now, like Stranger Things, there's, like... It happens in, like, two days. Within, like, 48 hours, like, people have watched it. The conversation is on the internet, and then it passes. But when you're watching, like, Game of Thrones, Mm -hmm. there's, like, more of, like, a cult, like, oh, you're one of me, like, you love this thing. And then, like, the anticipation week to week, and then the payoff when, like, you're sitting with your friends and, like, you watch that episode and there's some buildup to it. It's... It's it's binging versus having to wait for it, and having to wait for it is always, always better. Yeah. Always, totally. Because you invest. You're there's an, an, a level of investment that doesn't exist when it's so readily and easily accessible. Right. I also think 100. percent If you are thinking, if you're like creating something, and you think, should I give to my like like big fans, or should I try to get something that would get new fans? Always get. Always go for new fans. Because the old fans are with it no matter what, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. But, like, I think people worry about these horror stories of, like, you know, Buffy fairy tales of, like, on forums they were super pissed and they destroyed the show because, like, they they broke something and then, like, Buffy fandom just threw it out, you know, the baby with the bathwater or whatever mm-hmm. and that type of thing. But it's, like, just try to get new fans. Like, that's, like, the, the like have, have this, like, kind of, like, somewhat like literal like uh i guess like little little bit of understanding of who the fantastic four is build on that build on the things that have been happening for the last four years and then blow it out of the water like go fucking like for a home run and i think that's what they did here yeah yeah yeah, i fully agree and i think add to that put people that are like crazy smart in how to get new fans but also have that connection like on your creative team like have the diehards get your new fans because then you have the best of both. They're not going to totally destroy right. something that's oh, they beloved. Were really true to the characters. Yeah. We got like personal look-ins at Johnny and Ben, mm-hmm. like all those things kind of emphasize for fans. They, just like they, the characters I love are back. Mm-hmm. Totally, they've built some of the most rich characters in Fantastic Four with some of the basic powers. Strong guy yes. who's just like yes. rock. Guy that can go on fire, guy that can stretch, lady that can go invisible. Reed Richards is one of the most complex characters in the Marvel Universe. They've built, like, it's the fucking dark chocolate of Marvel. Oh, and (laughs) and the fact that Reed and Sue have been around long enough to that now they have a, like, a seven-year-old and a a five-year-old. Like, how many other superheroes have, like, you know, 
elementary school age children that yeah, are right. part of their like everyday lives. But my, and who are smarter than but me, my, probably. My point is, is if I have a working knowledge of the Fantastic Four, don't make me feel stupid for picking up this book when I see a number one. Reward me that I took that chance. Sure. And I think that's what this book did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One hundred percent. The other thing that it talks about in the back is maybe a little like gratifying for us too, because they said that Kirby and Lee were like making sure that these were characters that dealt with the sort of problems that people would struggle with as well, like reading them, which is what we talk about all the time. Like, I don't care if they're strong or if they're invisible. Like, I want to see how they deal with the other stuff in their life. And I guess this was their first foray into making them real people outside of their powers. So maybe that's why the character investment is so huge, because Mm -hmm. they were really trying to get you to connect. Well, and I feel like the homage to Steve Ditko that opened every Marvel book this week was especially poignant in this issue because it talks about like this crucial like issue spider-man 33 where you see peter's resolve as a person and how he cares about his loved ones and it's just like five pages of him like trapped underneath like this huge thing that (laughs) fell on him and like what a especially like in that time period what a weird way to spend five pages of a comic book. Like, mm-hmm. kids are buying these and they want to see, like, <laughs> dudes get, like, punched in the face and he spun up in web. And he's just having, like, an interpersonal struggle for five pages. And, like, wow, like, what an impression that makes. Yeah. Uh, also, to put that at the front of the book, I thought it was, like, super really powerful. Cool. Yeah, you know, like, like, we'll get to the story here in a second. Here's mm-hmm. what you need to know about some of the legends that made comic books yeah, pay what they are. <laughs> That's a like, good pay point. your dues mm-hmm. real quick. Like, this man shaped what you know about comics. That's one of the crazy, crazy things about comic books is that we're not so far detached from the origination of these just insane, like, concepts even, like entire concepts, these characters that are like larger than life and seem a part of like our ethos and pathos is like a world. And there are still guys walking among us who like created these things. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's ballistic to me. Mm-hmm. There's a reason people go ape shit when Stan Lee enters a con floor. What he's like a w- walking but god. But to your point, go- there's a reason why some people don't even know that the impact that he's had. It's right. just this weird like. Well, and, you know the characters in some of the stories, but yeah. you just, I guess you just don't know yeah. the people behind him sometimes. Yeah. And what but, is like, like it gives me chills thinking about it. So fucking cool about comics is like, Dicko never asked you to know him. Right. Like, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. He just was a guy writing shit about people in spandex. Comic books are so good. Yeah. <laughs> so is the community. If you are looking for friends or a family, a, a like proxy family, consider weird comic book people. Mm-hmm. We're accepting. If you've never been to a convention before, go to a convention and you will you'll see people letting their freak flag fly in the most extreme way. And it's the safest place on earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's a certain feeling while you're like on the floor where you're just like, man, people are being their truest selves <laughs> to like the <laughs> craziest extent. And it's just fucking awesome. You can find some like crazy, like weird, like minded people. And then you walk back out on the sidewalk and outside of the convention hall 
and immediately like people are like being bullies and yelling dumb shit at people who like dressed up and gawking and you're just like man I wish I could live inside in there. that yeah. place <laughs> where just like dressing nutso you know doing whatever they want like com- I'm going on way too long now and I'm getting really <laughs> preachy weird but comic book conventions have people who like all kinds of weird stuff just because you know it's like an accepting awesome place it's not just comic books it's like f- weird fandom of like cartoons and weird fandom of like wrestling even totally. you know what I mean yeah uh, so Fresh Start's been great <laughs> and that, <laughs> that was Fantastic that Four that was Fantastic yeah. Four <laughs> yeah Thanks, Fresh Start. It got us in our feelings. It did, didn't it? There, Yeah, there's something very nostalgic and cool about this. Yep. And I think the lesson I learned is that if you're going to reboot something or give it um, a new start over look, that distance makes the heart grow fonder. Give us some time in between. Yes. And pay homage to where the thing came from. Because I, I just don't want like a new writer to just be like, hey, forget all that stuff you loved. Here's a new random direction, and it just happens like that. Yep. There's, you're losing impact. Totally agree with that. 100%. Cool. You said it better. Want to close this beast out? Yes. This has been First Issue Club podcast. We are recorded in KCUR Studios. Our music is by Primary Color Music, recorded in uh, Lawrence, Kansas, I believe. Um and <laughs> um, take that as you will, I guess. Or, <laughs> yeah, that's, it's yeah. a city. Um, we uh, are part of the Fountain City family frequency of podcast. I think I said those F's wrong. And rearrange uh, them in whichever Fra- way you Fra- want. Fra- yeah, frequency. there's lots of F's in there. And uh, is that it? It's always it. We're on social media: Instagram, Twitter. Facebook. Um, I'm going to share a link on the Twitter soon. We uh, were recently uh, made it to round two of best local podcasts for the best of Kansas City thing that they do here. Um, So if you want to go vote for us, I'm going to put that link up for you so you can go vote for us so we win best local podcasts. Yeah. And then we just make another million on top of our already millions that we're making on this podcast. I'll say this. If we win best podcast in Kansas City, we're throwing that fucking party. I think we're throwing a party anyway. at mini bar. Well, we need to we need to figure out the logistics of the party, but the party should be happening. Party's gonna happen, and you're all invited. Yeah, sick party. Yeah. Everyone's invited. If anybody fucking drives to our party, oh, you drink that for would free. Be yeah, s- seriously. Uh, yeah, it's you done. can stay in my house. You can stay in my child's done, crib. Done deal. Oh gosh, <laughs> with my child. Any out of town guest drink for free. That's your thing, I guess. Yeah. Did, did we mention podcast magician Matt Hodap? Oh, yes. I don't think we did. Thank you. Uh, so uh, one thing I want to say about him is that he just uh, produced this great NPR podcast called The Workaround, and the first episode of that is on insulin and what drug companies and pharmaceutical companies are doing that keeps insulin from being accessible to people. And if you know someone with diabetes, like, oh, my God, this is, like... Uh, so fucked up and such a good listen and I love this new show that he's he's producing so good job Matt we love you you do such a good job with uh, all your shows you produce including this one yeah, um, okay so quick thing yeah. your sign off on the last episode was super posy like you were just like on some crystal like good <laughs> the, wave the you matter that yeah one? like I, decided, I feel like you've been doing that for a while a yeah, little bit since I saw Mr. Rogers yeah hey okay yeah, yeah. 
I wasn't on crystal meth. I do think people matter. I didn't say crystal meth, just like hippie crystals. Yeah, I could be in. I'm into crystals. Who isn't? They're beautiful. I'm reading a book on reincarnation, actually, <laughs> and it makes me question everything in my life. Really? Well, yeah. I just was thinking that, like, I may have not led a life that's going to get me. Oh, uh, no. Up. Don't. I might go down. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know. I think you've created way more than you've destroyed or just not yeah, done. That's fair. Yeah. That's good. That's nice of you. You got an you got an Ona. Yeah, I have a child. <laughs> you got an Ona. My best years are behind me. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I do think about that. I was just like, God damn it! I love time me. machine one shot. I had to go back to nineteen again and try to <laughs> try it all over. <laughs> oh no! It definitely yeah, work out more. <laughs> I would never live my twenties over. Really? I don't think so. I think I would drink more. Yeah, I'm yeah. happily married. <laughs> I'm glad I got there. <laughs> I don't want to leave that ever. If nothing could change and I end up right back here, yeah. then... Mm-hmm. I ended up where I need to be. I don't want to That's take true. another route to it. Yeah. Good risk, point. Risk it going wrong. Good point. Yeah. All right. It's that time where we say goodbye things. Uh, this has been Budget King, and I get super nervous when I have to think about what I'm going to say when I go bye-bye. Uh, so I have to go pee now because we've been in this fucking studio for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> this is Greg Lichtai signing off. I'm Caitlin Morosic, and I will show myself out. I almost forgot my last name. <laughs> 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 I'm Mike DeStacy, and there's love in the atmosphere swirling around. Mwah, that's amore. <laughs> Bye. Bye.